0: Good afternoon. Hi, Brian.
1: How are you? Good to see you again.
0: Yes, I I was just thinking the same thing. Um, Let me just introduce you to the audience. This is Brian Freeman, and you have so many good books. (laughs) I went through and actually counted them. I can't remember what it was now, but and your newest book, The Zero Night*.
1: I, I think the zero night is number 25 for me. So it uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty big milestone. I'm pretty thrilled about that.
0: But it is the 11th in the series, is that not
1: right? In the, yes, in the Jonathan stride series. Yeah, my 25th okay. overall.
0: Yeah. Well, you've got you've got quite a quite a work schedule here. How do you, it looked to me like you had four books out in in this year 2022 is that right? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Believe it or not, that is, that is absolutely true. It, it has been quite, quite the year. Um, the, uh, the follow-up novel to my Edgar Award finalist, The Deep Deep Snow, uh, which was The Ursulina, uh, one of my all-time favorite novels of everything I've done. The Ursulina came out, I think it was February 1st. Uh, and then we had a busy summer with my third uh, Jason Bourne novel, The Bourne Sacrifice, came out in July. And then just, I think, about two or three weeks after that, uh, I, I had a fun Michael Crichton esque standalone called "I Remember You" uh, that came out, and uh, and now here we are in in November, which seems appropriate that uh, Jonathan Stride is back in the uh, in in the snow and cold of Duluth. So,
0: yes, I, I If you remember, I lived in Duluth for about ten years. Yes, um, you know one of the things that I see consistently um, over your books is is the strong sense of place. And the characterizations and when i was thinking about the sense of place when i was reading this zero night i thought yeah it really is like that and then i thought yeah but i lived in Duluth, so of course it would resonate with me
1: well that's, that's the thing i i the sense of place i think is so um so important for thrillers uh, I, I think it just uh, uh, the the place really enriches the drama of what's going on in the pages and i always want to give Reader is kind of a, a, a you are there feel as if you've been dropped down into every chapter and you can hear it and touch it and taste it and smell it and feel it happening all around you and uh, uh, and and you know Duluth is so perfect for that I mean it it's um, it's big enough that you can imagine some dark things happening there but small enough that you always feel like you're kind of bumping into your past around every corner and that's. Certainly- <laughs> stride stories you know and and you when you see my books i think all of my books but the stride novels in particular i don't like my characters to be trapped inside so i i end up setting a lot of scenes outdoors and so you know i'm able to take advantage of the both the natural beauty in in you know duluth and and the setting right on lake superior and also some of those uh those um, isolated creepy locales that you find out in the uh in the
0: well, evidently, it's done very well. I think it's it's the I Remember You. Is that Kirkus gave you a starred review on that? They
1: did, yeah, yeah. They 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 love that book. I, I was thrilled with with the Kirkus review on that. So,
0: um, and I also um, read on. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. I guess here, but the Zero Night. Um, they uh, one reviewer was saying that it was absolutely the best one of your stride series, and the audience should not miss it
1: yeah and i i love to hear that i mean that's when when you're when you're in a long running series i mean here we are 11 books into the stride series uh i i i always I, it may, means a great deal to me when when I, I have readers saying boy this is this is the best book yet because uh, you want that that energy uh to to keep going with the characters and you want to keep throwing twists and turns uh at the reader um and i you know i i'm always conscious conscious of the fact That um, when you're trying to get new readers into a long running series, you want to write the book very carefully so that um, they can really dive in anywhere, they're still going to get a full rich experience of the characters, even if they're new to them. And yet, at the same time, you're balancing out that you don't want uh, existing series readers saying, "Oh yeah, I, I, I know all that about the characters. Move on." So uh, I, I love I love hearing from folks who say, "Yeah, they they they, they were new to Stride. They felt like they could dive right in." And then Stride readers saying, "Oh, this is this is the best one yet." That that always makes me feel great.
0: You know, I think that's a good point to make. Um, I had a coworker once who who believed you absolutely had to had to start with the first one. There was just no other way to read it. Me, if I pick up a book that looks good, I read it. And so that's one of the things I like about yours. You don't necessarily have to read them in order.
1: They're- right, exactly. I mean, I think that's real important. Uh, you know, I mean, if if readers, you know, want to go back to the beginning and, and start with number one and go all the way through to number 11, well, that's behavior I highly encourage, but uh, <laughs> yes, you, you certainly you certainly don't need to do that. And I always I always describe it as, you know, you, you would not expect that you're gonna have only friends that you met you know, in, in your, your teens or 20s. You're gonna meet people throughout your life. And if you meet someone in your, in your 40s and, and decide, gosh, I really like this person, then you wanna hear their stories and kind of find out where they came from in life. And, and I think that should be true of a good series as well. I mean, each series book should allow a new reader to discover the characters. And if they fall in love with the characters in that book, then they're gonna wanna go back to the earlier novels and kind of see how they evolved to that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in the book, The Zero Night, Jonathan Stride is struggling with, uh, well, it's been about a year, I think, since he was wounded, but does he want to go back to the job or not?
1: Yeah. Then, I... you
0: have, then you have, I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, go, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Okay, and then you have Serena, his wife, who is struggling with the death of her abusive mother. And I thought it was interesting in that they were so helpless in resolving their own problem in the beginning that they couldn't help each other resolve the problems and that by no means wasn't the aim of the book i don't believe but um, it was an interesting take because it follows it through all the way to the end Um, you refer to it from time to time and, and where they are
1: yeah well you know and and i think that is part of part of keeping a series uh, fresh uh, i mean I, I've, uh, I, I remember doing an event with with tom Colgan of of Putnam who who's my editor on the the Jason Bourne series, and we were talking about series books and and I said you know i don 't think series books ever die because of of plot. Uh, they die because the characters start getting stale, um, mm-hmm. and so I think the key for a, for a long running series is to make sure the characters Stay fresh, and they're constantly changing and evolving, and keeping the reader engaged. I think if if the, the hero never changes, and all all the hero does is simply have a new plot each time, I, I think the reader is going to get tired of that pretty quickly. So when I'm looking at a new uh, series book, like a new Stride novel, the the first thing I think about is not the plot. The first thing I think about is where are the characters in their mm-hmm. lives? Uh, what challenges are they facing? What are the 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 emotional issues they're they're struggling to overcome and and um, uh, so then once once I kind of have an understanding of where the characters are then I start thinking about a mystery that will that will dovetail with where the characters are and will sort of force them to face uh, and deal with the issues that are in their in their lives and, and that's how it all fits together and so when I was thinking about the Zero Knight obviously with with Jonathan Stride. Um, uh, in in uh, my last book, Funeral for a Friend, um, with, with, without ex, you know, exposing any of the uh, the climactic details of, of Funeral for a Friend, uh, Stride, had, Stride had a very bad night at, toward the end of Funeral for a Friend and, and, and ended up on leave from the force for, for more than a year. Um, so I knew that was something that, that we were gonna deal with in The Zero Night, is, is can Stride sort of summon just both the physical and the emotional energy to dive back into the to the darkness of his job, and uh, and and so that the, that he was going to be wrestling um, with where he was in life, and and you know I, I think the the interesting thing about you know a series like Stride is is um, you you've got Stride as a character getting older, um, and of course <laughs> Stride's pulled off a pretty good trick over the years. I mean, when I first wrote my very first Stride book, Immoral, all the way back in the, the early two thousands um uh stride was quite a bit older than me and you know now here we are <laughs> almost 20 years later and and uh, i'm quite a bit older than stride so it's so a pretty neat, neat trip that he's pulled off um but at the same time i think it also means that that stride may be facing sort of dramatic things associated with getting older but i think you know the the, the hero also ends up speaking to the challenges that that, that all readers face as, as they're getting older as well and thinking about kind of where they are in life and what are their next steps in life and and so that's very much where stride is in in the zero Night. I mean he's he's kind of wrestling with those next stages uh, of his life um, and then I was thinking about stride's wife Serena uh, uh, also a detective on on the police force in Duluth and feeling that you know Serena came out of an abusive background um, you know she's she's uh, been been sober uh, as, as an alcoholic for for years and years uh, and and I As I thought about her situation in life, I felt that um, whenever Serena's mother passed away, that that was going to really knock her for a loop and and it was going to force her to confront uh, unresolved issues in her life that that she's been kind of pushing down uh, in her her heart for years and years. And so that's ultimately really the the, the, the essence of The Zero Night is, is that struggle that that Serena faces in the midst of this, and and that's really where the title comes from. Because for all these years that Serena has been sober, uh, every night when she goes to bed, her mind sort of mentally uh, uh, tacks on one additional number to the to the, the the number of nights that she's been sober. Which I think it was like six thousand six hundred and seven was was the number she was yep. at the book. Uh, and of course that's the question of, of the novel is 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 can you know Serena get past this or does the number click back to zero and does sort she face the zero night where she um, where she falls off the wagon. Uh, and so those are the those are the complexities that that I wanted the characters dealing with. And, and so I, I developed a mystery that would that would bring all those issues out of both stride and and Serena. And um, uh, and it, it puts a it puts a, a test not only on uh, them individually but on their marriage as well. And uh, I I don't think that would come as a surprise to, to any readers who have you know, who have dealt with struggles in their own life and, and then who have also watched the evolution of Stride and Serena's relationship over eleven books and in realizing that as as much as they love each other and as happy as they are, they, they certainly are not models of of great open communication and they, they tend to keep things locked away and they they tend not to want to, you know, burden the other and share what's going on in their hearts. And and that, you know, as anyone married knows, that's that's a recipe for problems. And,
0: Okay, if if we could talk a little bit about the plot of the zero night,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and'll I'll just be brief that the, the, because the, the crime is this once well-to-do lawyer, her his, his wife was kidnapped and he had to ransom her and thus came in the police case. Um, but I never in my finest dreams, ever thought all the twists and turns that you put in there there were as soon as I thought I knew what you were doing and what John and Serena were doing you switched it up and it it made sense but it certainly wasn't you know what my, what was the easiest thought
1: well I, I I appreciate that and that's uh I I it that that's really the fun of of uh, of, of a stride novel is 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 working out all of the the, the twists and turns to try to stay one step ahead of uh, of the reader, and uh, I, I I really do love the plot of the the Zero Night. Stride refers to it as possibly the most insidious uh, murder conspiracy of of his career, and and I think that that may well be true. Um, but I what I what I always am aiming for in the plot of a Stride novel is that um, it should all the twists and turns as you're going through the book should feel incredibly complex and yet when when you get to the end there should be sort of an elegant simplicity as to why this was all happening okay. and I, I think that's that's very true of, of what's going on in the zero Night. i i always think about one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite novels by another another thriller writer, which was um, michael connolly 's uh, blood work and uh, uh, same 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 thing that that uh, what everything that 's going on in blood work seems so uh, so so complex and and impossible to understand and then, and then uh, you get toward the end of the novel, and, and there's this beautifully elegant solution as to, to what was was really happening all along. And I just, I, I I love that essence of mysteries where you you have this sort of as a reader, you have this delicious confusion as you read the book, trying to sort of figure out how all these threads fit together. And when they do finally fit together, it's with this 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 you know this beautiful simplicity that that makes you go, oh, of course, why didn't I see that before?
0: Now that you have several other um, characters. Um I saw where one of your fans would love to have you bring back. Oh no, I forgot. Frost. Frost
1: Easton, Frost Easton. Yeah. Yeah. Easton. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, have, I can, I can I never have make it through an event now without without someone badgering me saying, "Where is that fourth fourth Frost Easton?" Well, out?
0: then isn't there Cal Bolton?
1: yeah and- Bolton's out there too. Yeah, I I was but able to bring that- a cab back into the um, into the stride universe in in alter ego so at least I I I had a little bit of a revival of of cab there so
0: now is well there must be a secret to it although as a writer it may not be how do you you've got Jonathan Stride and you've got the the Ludlum uh Jason Boer how do you make sure that you're centered on who that character is without bringing a little bit of them together
1: yeah, that's a great. That's a great question. It, it was a a really interesting challenge. About I guess it was three years ago. I was working on on my first born novel and on the previous stride novel, Funeral for a Friend, simultaneously because the deadlines for the books with two separate publishers were I think about two weeks apart. So the only way I could do it. Was to be working on the books uh, at the same time, so I'd do a week on on the Born Evolution and then a week on Funeral for a Friend, and I was really concerned that they would start to bleed over on each other, and um, you know, and 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 Born would start to become sort of this this uh, closed off, intense Minnesota kind of uh, uh, action hero, and and stride would start you know kicking ass and pulling out his gun and shooting people, uh, and uh, um, I, I think what what helped me was. At essence, they are such different characters, um, and I think as a result, it it was easy for me once I'd sort of been able to give up one story to then just immerse myself um, in the other story, and and that's what that's what has really been you know sort of creatively energizing for me over the last several years is I've had a chance to tell such a different range of stories and to explore such very different characters. I mean, you know, in, in, in one project, I'm, I'm writing these sort of intense psychological police mysteries with, with Stride, and, and then I put that down and I, I pick up, uh, you know, a, a much more uh, emotional female first-person narrative like the, the Deep Deep Snow or the Ursulina or I Remember You. And then I put those down, and I pick up, you know, a a Bourne novel, which is, you know, very, you know, action oriented, very adrenaline focused. Um, and uh, and for me, as a, as a writer, that's what really keeps it fun for me because I I, I have a chance to tell such different stories.
0: Um, I wonder if I can ask you a question on on the Robert Ludlum moniker, so to speak. Um, is that something where the publisher approaches you? do you approach the public what are the gymnastics of that
1: yeah yeah um you know it was it was probably uh well oh, probably almost four years ago at this point um i got a call from uh from my agent and uh, she told me that uh putnam had uh had had taken over uh the um uh the born uh franchise and they they'd done a deal with uh the estate um, to do uh, two new Jason Bourne novels, and they were looking for a new writer uh, to, to, to come in and, and, and uh, take over the franchise and, and write Bourne. And she was asking, you know, was I interested in tossing my hat into the ring? And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a Robert Ludlum fan uh, my whole life. Uh, he was one of my favorite authors growing up. I, I can still... Uh, I can still remember reading uh, *The Born Identity* when, when I was what, all of seventeen years old. Um, and, and I, I got to tell you, if 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 somebody had told me, um, you know, back then when I was a teenager, that. Uh, uh, that 40 years later, 40 40 years later, uh, that books would be coming out with with my name and Robert Ludlum's name together on the cover. I would have said, "Oh, that's just that's just crazy." So, so I said, "Yeah, let's let's you know let's toss my hat into the ring." And uh, and then I think, gosh, probably three four months went by. I didn't really hear uh, didn't really hear a word, and I just assumed they had decided to go uh, another way which was fine i mean i'm sure there were you know lots of writers that were interested in in this opportunity it was such a premier opportunity in the thriller world and uh, and then i got another call from my agent and and she said uh five words that will you know linger in my memory for a long time uh putnam wants you for born and uh, so I, uh, I i think my first reaction was you know, you know oh my god and then my second reaction was oh my god uh, <laughs> how do i do this you know it, it's there's no way around it it is it is intimidating to think about you know stepping into the shoes of a giant of the genre like robert ludlum and, and then you know particularly to take over um you know such an iconic uh famous hero like jason bourne um you know but i called i called tom colgan at, at putnam and and he was like well you know what do, what do you want to do with the series and I said, well, there have been so many iterations of, of Bourne over the years that I, I don't think that you can try to build on what has come before, because you had the Ludlum novels, you had uh, uh, Eric von Lusbotter taking over doing a 10 or 11 additional novels, you had uh, the Matt Damon movies. Um, and, uh, and, and then I, I may be one of the, the few people that remember that uh, uh, even before Matt Damon was, was Jason Bourne, uh, Richard Chamberlain, uh, was Jason Bourne in, in an NBC miniseries with uh, uh, Jacqueline Smith of Charlie's Angels fame as as Marie Saint Jacques? So, um, so I said, you know, look, you've got all of these different versions of Bourne. I think what what we need to do is completely reboot the series, give all new readers a chance to to discover Bourne from the ground up, and go back to the vision of the character that Ludlam brought to life in the Bourne Identity, and remain really true to who that character was and the psychological complexity of Bourne as a hero, and then drop that character down into the modern era with an all new modern setting, all new plots, driven from from kind of ripped from today's headlines, put all new characters around him and essentially start the series over, but bring Ludlam's Bourne back to life. And, and uh, that was what I said I wanted to do Putnam loved that idea, the estate loved that idea, and uh, and that's what I've done now in, in the three books since then.
0: You know what, as you were saying that, that you read his first book back when, what, 30 years ago
1: or something. 40, 40 uh, plus years, yeah. 40. Kind of scary, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think you ought to write a letter to my younger self. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just sort of create that history.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, if there's, if there is, you know, one one thing I, I truly regret in my career is that I, I never had a chance to meet uh, meet Robert Ludlum in person. But, you know, it's funny, um, back in the, oh gosh, it was probably the early to mid 90s, um, I, I actually wrote to Ludlum. I, I had a, uh, a, I'd written a, um, a short uh, a mystery novel, and uh, I, I asked. I wrote to him to ask if he had any, you know, uh, advice for me, and he was, you know, so gracious about, you know, passing my note on to, to his agent Henry Morrison, and and uh, Henry wrote to me with encouraging words and things, and uh, uh, you know. But it, I look back on those, and it's like it, it, it's such an amazing thing to think about. I, I wrote Ludlam a, a note. He was so kind in in you know giving sending back a personal reply and. I certainly had no idea, and he had no idea, you know that that some twenty five years after that uh, that that you know this this kid who had written to him would be you know would be taking over you know his his <laughs> Warren franchise. so I, I I just love the way you know the the threads of life kind of come together,
0: yeah. when you write the Ludlum series, do you need to get the approval of anybody so that you're staying on track or? Are, are you well known enough that that isn't necessary?
1: You know I usually what I usually do is I, I write kind of a three, four, five page synopsis of of the plot of where I want to take the plot and I run that by Putnam and Putnam runs that by the estate just in case you know anything raises any red flags with them. Uh, I remember when I wrote The Born Evolution, the very first one, um, I um, they they had the estate read the manuscript. And, they came back and said, you know, we we love it, we don't wanna change a word, uh, which uh, made me feel really, really good. Um, and uh, um, and then with The Born Sacrifice, the most recent one that came out in July, um, I was a little concerned, mostly from a, an intellectual property standpoint, because uh, one of my favorite Robert Ludlum novels was the Chancellor Manuscript. It was just, a, I read that probably in 74, 75, uh, in fact, I think that was the first Ludlum novel I ever read. I can remember buying it at a Long's drugstore in, in San Mateo, California. And I was walking out of the store, reading it you know, as, I, as I walked out uh, of, of the drugstore. And I don't think I put it down until I finished it you know, 10 hours later. Um, and so I loved the Chancellor Manuscript. And I thought, you know, I, I want to take um, this, this character, Peter Chancellor, who's a sort of Ludlam-esque thriller writer who writes kind of ripped from the headlines sorts of conspiracy novels. The, i'd love to bring him into the born universe and so i developed a plot in the born sacrifice that that brought peter chancellor back and i was just a little concerned from a legal standpoint that the estate might get um uh, uh nervous about that that there might be issues related to you know uh, film rights or other sorts of things that would get in, in the middle of that but they 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 loved the idea too, and and so um, they they were you know very they they've really given me just a a, a great free reign to 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 make Born uh, my own and, and to to really sort of reboot the franchise. So they they've been extremely supportive, and I I, I really really appreciate that.
0: That's great. Um, let me ask you what must be really annoying for authors from time to time, which is okay. What's next? <laughs> Yeah, can I ask that? I'm I'm talking about your whole listing of authors, not just Jonathan Stride.
1: Yeah, I I um I you know I I I've been really really busy these last three or four years. Really? Yeah, I've I, I've released I think it gosh I think it is nine novels in the last three years, which is just uh, I I can't even believe how that was possible. But uh, how, how, I, how do you
0: spend your free time?
1: Yeah, there wasn't much of that, that's for sure. I, I guess it was, that was one, you know, strange silver lining of the, the COVID era. I wasn't out doing a lot of mm-hmm. library and bookstore events. I was sitting at home in front of my computer. Um, uh, I confess this year, I, I've only written one novel. I've, I've written the, the fourth Jason Bourne novel. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so I, gosh, you know, one book in a year, I feel like I'm, I'm slacking off here. Uh, y- even though I spent years, that was what I was doing. I look back on those those early years in in the business, I was thinking, gosh, I only wrote one novel each year. That, that, that must have felt like a vacation. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so uh, but next next year is going to be busy. I, I've got several projects on the slate for for next year, and, and really already a, a, a number of things on the on the docket for 2024 as well. So, uh, I'll I'll be keeping I'll be keeping readers busy again. It's going to be nose to the grindstone.
0: Good, good. Um, what authors do you read?
1: yeah you know I, it's funny uh, I, I mean i for i was such a big fan of of you know mysteries and thrillers for 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 so many years as, as a reader myself but when you write thrillers for a living it, it's kind of hard to um to read other people's suspense in quite the same way you know i mean when when you write suspense all day long curling up with someone else's suspense novel at the end of the day yeah, it kind of starts to feel like work uh <laughs> you know you, you look at it as more market research than entertainment it's like oh yeah i like that I would have done that differently. Oh, I see where he's going with that. Um, but um, so I, I end up reading actually a lot of uh, nonfiction and, and and history and biography. I, I have kind of eclectic uh, eclectic tastes at this point. Um, so I, I I love you know Eric Larson and uh, and uh, Candace Millard and their nonfiction books. And and then I think recently I, I was I was reading a. Uh, biography of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So you just never know quite what I'm <laughs> going to be reading uh, from 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 book to book. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll, I love to sample what 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 authors are doing, and and uh, and and I always love finding finding little gems. Uh, um, um, buddy of mine is is a great uh, a great mystery writer. He's a screenwriter out in L.A. Uh, and uh, named Scott Shepard and uh, Scott has a, a couple books in the Austin Grant series out now and in his latest Should I Fall just a thoroughly you know enjoyable entertaining books so that uh, when when I do occasionally have the chance to uh, dip back into the genre I always always like uh, always like finding those little jewels
0: yeah you no know, I um excuse me just recently um you notice a trend in books um there's a whole bunch of domestic violence and then there's a bunch of kidnappings and and right now and i don't know i could be wrong here i'm seeing creeping in older detectives and more That's, comedic
1: yeah well and there's 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 kind of a i don't know i think i i confess for me usually when i see where the market is going when the when the market zigs i kind of zag and uh, so you know I, I i tend to sort of you know if i see the mark the, the 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 plot lines of mysteries going in one direction i i sort of run away and go the other way um but yeah i've seen that too i mean i think we've had domestic thrillers um uh going on for you know for several years now um uh and i i'm i'm wondering you know i mean how many you know evil evil mothers and fathers and daughters and husbands we can find before we start thinking about some some different ways to go. Um, but yeah, o- older detectives, I think, um, I'm wondering if there's been sort of a renaissance in the wake of, of COVID for a little bit of the the, the comforting mystery, you know, the um, uh, Agatha Christie is kind of having a a, a big boom here again and, and you've got uh, detectives who are, 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 are a little less hard edged coming through and I, I wonder, is that sort of people looking for sort of the mystery more as as a comforting puzzle as opposed to sort of a Mm. a, a darker aspects of it after you know after what we've been through with the pandemic so
0: yeah there's there's a an author i think it's richard osman he's got the third thursday murder and his third book just came out and it's
1: yeah i was that's exactly who i was thinking of yeah
0: yeah so that's 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 quite a trend have you ever thought about writing something outside of a mystery or a thriller
1: yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I actually did that um, uh, several years ago, I, I actually wrote a couple of, uh, uh, of, of they were sort of, um, sort of almost what you what they would have called chick lit. Uh, it was sort of romantic, oh, you know, ro- romantic comedy in some way. Uh, it, uh, I wrote a book called The Agency, I, I co authored with it, uh, it with my agent in London at the time. And so it was came out as The Agency by Ali O'Brien. And, and then I did a follow up novel called West 57 that I, I published under the name B.N. Freeman. And uh, two of my favorite books. I, I love the book. It was fun doing something so completely different from the thriller genre. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just love, you know, different aspects of storytelling. I, I can easily see myself going forward looking at, um, you know, historical fiction and, uh, uh, and other genres that would be interesting. Might be fun to tackle YA at some point, uh, because I, I, I always love the challenge of, of, you know, going into new types of storytelling and, and, uh, and new characters.
0: Are you going to continue with John Stride? You can't very well leave him where you did.
1: I, I sure hope so. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's funny. I think after every Stride novel comes out, I, I get readers who write to me and say, well, oh, is that is that the last one? Um, and um, I think that's because I try to end every Stride novel with a degree of emotional closure so that, um, you know, because I, I'm, I'm always conscious of, you know, the passage of time and, and other kinds of things happening. I, I kind of call it the hit by a bus factor. It's like, you know, I, I, I wanna be writing lots of books, but I could step off the curb tomorrow and and, and get hit by a bus. And, and uh, uh, if that happened, I really w- always want to leave stride and the stride series with readers in such a way that if 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 that were the last one and and i never had an opportunity to write another stride novel that readers would be able to see it as sort of a complete creative product and they could read the entire series and feel like there was you know a beginning and a middle and an end um but that's you know that said i mean my goal is certainly to to keep writing stride novels and and i think there's there's still plenty of room for those characters to to grow and change and evolve, and um, uh, so and and Duluth is certainly a, a, just a a great fertile ground for um, for suspense locales. So I I certainly hope that I'll be I'll be writing Stride for years to come.
0: Well, that's good. I'm sure that's good news for your Stride fans. Um, I as a bookseller, I've noticed a lot of people come into the store. And they've self-published a book and they want to put it in there. And it seems like there's been a lot of more self-publishing going on. Do you see that at all? Or what's your sense on that?
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think that, um, uh, you know, I, I think when when you talk about self-publishing, um, I, I think there's, there's kind of the yin and the yang of it. Uh, I think it's great that there is a whole new, vehicle by which people can put, um, uh, put their words out in front of an audience. I mean, I, I think there's no question about the fact that for, for years and years it was very hard to get published, still is. Um, it's uh, getting, you know, into traditional mainstream publishing remains a real uphill battle and, and I, am, I am confident that there have been over the years, you know, thousands of just magnificent novels Sitting on someone's closet shelf um, because they just never found quite the right fit in terms of an agent or a publisher, and so having you know the self-publishing as an option, I think, means it, it's it, it's more of an opportunity for people to to, to find a, you know a, an audience for their work and, and get it out there. I think the downside of it is uh, that um, it you know there there's a reason why editors exist, um, and and editors make the final book. Better and and the, the sort of laborious process that you go through working with developmental editors and production editors and copy editors and all the things that happen before a book actually sees print make the books better and and I think that um, it's it's awfully tempting for aspiring writers you know they 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 put the final period on on the, the manuscript and, and ten minutes later they can be you know posting the book out uh, on on a, on a self-publishing platform you know that that's a dangerous degree of, of power because um you know you you really just need to make sure that you have gone through the same degree of, of scrutiny that um that you would have with a self-published book that you're doing with something that's going to be coming out through uh through one of the mainstream publishers um and i also think that uh, and and i know this from what i see in my emails and every time there's an instagram post that uh, i don't i don't know how much money the average self-published author is making, I'm I'm suspecting it's, it's not particularly much, but an entire closet industry of I, I, I hesitate to say it but I, I kind of think of them as, as grifters of, of people that you know are, are just waiting there to pounce on self-publishing people and, and claim to have the magic formula for you know uh, marketing and publishing and oh I can help get your you know book on the New York Times list and oh I can help you get reviewed X, Y and Z um, you know there's a lot of people out there um, you know making money on self-published authors but my concern is that the self-publisher author is not necessarily often one of them so.
0: Yeah, and I think I think they don't understand the the again the gymnastics of really it's not just writing the book. There's a whole lot more. One of the things I've noticed with you is you have, and maybe most of the authors do, and I just happen to get yours enough. There is are your are your emails that you send out periodically, and particularly when a book is going to be published, and it's all very positive. It's very up in that sort of thing. So I think that makes it um, more appealing. Also yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think and I think authors have to I think they have to be engaged with their readers these days. And that's just part of the process. So yeah, yeah I've I've got an email list and, and I try to do a monthly email to readers um you know just to be able to, to to have a little fun with it let them know what's going on let them know when a new book is coming out i i link you know to the event virtual events like I, I do here so that even if people can't be participating in the event while we're doing it they have a chance to to sign on and 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 watch the event uh, virtually at a, at a later date um and and i think it may, it just keeps people more engaged in the process and so i do the same with um uh, with Instagram and with with Facebook and Twitter, so that um, you know, if if people want to connect with me, they have you know plenty of ways to do that. And and for me, that's 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 fun. I mean, I, I always enjoy you know hearing what readers think about the books and and building relationships with them that way. And and you know, publishing is still kind of the you know it's like the last great word of mouth business. I think that um, building relationship with readers means that when a new book comes out your readers become not just readers, but allies and advocates, and, and they're the ones that are out there telling their friends, oh, you know, Brian's got a new book out, you've got to go run out and get it, and um, that's enormously important in in uh, the in the success of a new novel.
0: You know, another thing um, I was thinking, you've gotten some real high praise from Mike Conley, Dennis Lehane, Nelson DeMille, and those, you know, and it's, it hasn't been high praise when they were in their infancy, they were they were popular authors by the time they gave that out for you. And um, I'm, I'm going to say something, I'm not sure the, the the figures, but people like Michael Conley and Dennis Lehane had to put out several books before anyone even noticed them. And and so the patience is part of the process. The other thing is, I feel like you do. There's, there's a, some gems out there in self-publishing, but how can you Possibly read all of them to find the
1: gems. Right. That. Yeah. That's that's really the challenge, and and that's that's what makes it hard for, for self-published writers. Is is there's just so much stuff out there that it is it's just brutally difficult to get noticed. And that that's true in mainstream publishing as well. I mean, it, it there is there's really only a, a handful of of writers that are are kind of in that you know elite you know Connolly, Coben, Lahane um, stratosphere, and and there's a you know lot of writers. You know, right below that who are, are struggling to, to get noticed, even after writing a, a, a whole lot of books. Um, but, you know, I, that's what's what's really nice about so many of the the, the big name you know authors is is they're, they tend to be really gracious about uh, about helping other writers uh, along the way as well. Um, and I, you, you mentioned Nelson Demille, I, I just have to tell you that uh, uh, one of my favorite reader stories of all time was about Nelson Demille. Uh, I, I heard, I think it was when um, Funeral for a friend came out, the last Stride novel. Uh, a, uh, a gentleman wrote to me, and he was a retired police officer uh, from New Jersey, and he used to work uh, in the town where uh, Nelson Demille lived, and so knew uh, he knew Demille. And uh, apparently, um, one night back in the mid two thousands. Uh, a, a security alarm went off at, at DeMille's house and uh, he wasn't home at the time and so the, this police officer and his partner responded to the call and um, uh, and the, and the rules were you know if there's a, if there's a, um, uh, an alarm you have to clear the house so you have to check everything to make sure that nobody's inside so he's going through Demille's house and he's in Demille's bedroom and, <laughs> and he sees a book on 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 Nelson's nightstand and and it was my first stride novel immoral and he said well he figured that if it was good enough for nelson demille it was good enough for him so he got a copy of an immoral and he said and i've been a fan of yours ever since so 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 nelson thank you in 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 addition to your wonderful blurb about stock you you read immoral and and got me another fan (laughs) but i wasn't the one that set off your alarm
0: (laughs) do you have any advice to somebody who wants to become a good author? Um, maybe there's two or three steps they should take at the very beginning that will lead them to where they need yeah. to
1: Yeah, well, there's a few things that, that I, always, I, I always tell as part of the writers. the, the one, one, one piece of advice is just very basic. Um, and that is that uh, 100% uh, of unwritten novels uh, have never been published. Um, you know, sooner or later, if this is your dream, there there's got to be a combination of of uh, a keyboard and your backside and a chair and some super glue, and you just gotta you just gotta get it done. Um, and and I, I you know I, I joke about that, but it, it's absolutely true because writers tend to be their own worst enemies, and we we're, we're constantly sort of listening to this neurotic little voice inside our head that says, um, you know, the, you're you're never you're no good. You're never going to be able to do this. It's never going to happen. And yeah, and I'm I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter whether you're working on your first novel or your 25th. Um, that voice never goes away. And and you really have to learn to sort of use that not as not as um, as as demoralizing you, but instead use it sort of as as creative incentive to make your work better and better and better and, and keep at it and never give up. I mean, I wrote five five novels in my life going back to when I was 13 years old that are still sitting in a nightstand drawer. Uh, they they never went anywhere. And that was, you know, before I ever started, you know, on the book that became immoral and and was my breakthrough book. Um, and and so you have to you have to have sort of a crazy amount of self-determination to to make it in this business. Um, and the other thing is um I I I think that you have to really pay attention to the writers that you, you love and admire. Um, as I say, I mean, I, before I broke through, I was a huge mystery and thriller fan. And I always tell readers, um, look at the writers that you, that you really enjoy and, and look at them in a very thorough analytical way um, and figure out how do they do what they do? How do they get the words on the page? How do they introduce and describe characters? How do they structure the unveiling of their plot? Uh, learn from that and then take those lessons and sort of pour them into your own style and, and your own the own your own stories and figure out how that that can help you tell the kinds of stories that you want. Um, and then the other part of it is, uh, you know, re- publishing like any other business is still very relationship driven. And um, you know, you, you gotta you gotta get to know people and um, uh, and and they can help you. Um, and uh, that's hard because you know writers tend to be. You know, pretty private, pretty introverted, and uh, and and it, it's a struggle to be able to to sort of ask for help. But um, uh, that's that's part of the business. It's it's um, it, it's pretty hard to do it from you know just inside your own office. so
0: I meant to ask you this at the very beginning, so forgive me for <laughs> jumping around here. Where did John Stride come from?
1: Yeah, good good question. Um, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because. Um, you know, Stride I think is a very classic Northern Minnesota kind of character. Um, you know, he's he's known a lot of loss in his life, and and uh, he lives in this very bitter uh, climate. Um, you know, but he he he's he's like most Minnesotans. He kind of tucks his chin against that that uh, North Shore wind and keeps moving on. Um, uh, but Stride emerged uh, kind of slowly. I I mentioned. Um, that I had written a novella in the '90s, um, uh, which I actually wrote to, to Robert Ludlum about. And uh, the hero of that that novella uh, had Duluth roots and um, uh, and and was sort of a Duluth detective. And uh, his name was Daniel Barrett, as I recall. And I think if if you were to go back and and open up my nightstand drawer and and read that manuscript, I think you would see pretty clearly that that Daniel Barrett was sort of the creative antecedent to, to Jonathan Stride. And that um, a few years later, when I started in on Immoral, that Stride was kind of uh, uh, Daniel Barrett 2.0 and, and came to sort of this full, you know, rich, emotional life uh, with, uh, with Immoral. But it, it started out with a, with a different character in, in a different book.
0: Okay. Um, do, do you have anything as far as when is that going to be enough? When is Jonathan Stride going to be everything you wanted him to be and all that? Or is, I'm not sure that's a fair question, but I don't care. I still want to know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I I think we are all always works in progress. I, I'm not, we're never done, um, you know, in, until the very end. And I think that's, I think that should be true of, of our best literary characters as well. Uh, I think that they, They should keep growing and changing and evolving. Uh, And so I I hope that's true of Stride as well. And I I know that's certainly true of of readers. I mean, I think that that, you know, readers never want their their heroes to, to die. I mean, that's why you know, year all these years later. I mean, Sherlock Holmes is still being reinvented by by you know various writers, and it's why you know people still clamor for new Jason Bourne novels. They 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 they, they there is a um, there's a comfort level in having these these kind of old friends uh, still be with us, and we never want those those friends to leave us. So um, uh, so I my, my my hope certainly is that that Stride will keep growing and changing and and uh, uh, and and entertaining people for. For a long time to come. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and I think for as for us as writers, um, you know, that keeping that fresh is, is part of it. I mean, you, you look back at Sherlock Holmes and realize that that, you know, Conan Doyle, you know, came to <laughs> came to hate you know, Holmes. He, he wanted to do other things. Uh, and to me, I, I feel I feel very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to do so many different kinds of, of uh, books in the last few years, in addition to Stride. Because it means then when I go back and, and do another Stride novel, it feels fresh and and it feels like I'm I'm excited to get back into Stride's world and and see what's you know happening next. If 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 all I were doing were Stride novels, um, uh, then maybe I'd feel like I, I I would understand what Conan Doyle was feeling. Well, this is all I'm doing. Well, I've I've got. Lots of other, lots of other, you know, uh, irons in the fire, and and to me that's good. So I think it means when you when you do then go back to your series character, that series character really feels fresh.
0: Okay, and are you? I think we avoided this, but are you going to bring back Cal?
1: Um, yeah, Cal Bolton.
0: I have to check my paperwork. I can't remember these people's names. Yeah, uh, Cal, there's,
1: there's, there's
0: Ross Eaton and Shelby Lake. Where are they?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Shelby likes kind of a a, a special case. Shelby was the the heroine of The Deep, Deep Snow, and it's told in a a female first-person narrative. And then the follow-up novel is The Ursulina, which actually has a a different narrator, uh, Rebecca Colder, and yet, at heart, The Ursulina is is still Shelby's story. Um, And I, I like to tell readers that uh, the deep, deep snow is the story of a daughter, and the Ursulina is the story of a mother. Um, and those two novels—they're—they're they're kind of the Shelby Lake series. Um, and you know, I love the characters. I love Shelby. I love Rebecca. They're—they're they're both such important characters to me. Those two novels, probably my favorites of of anything I've done in my life. So on one hand, I I want to go back and and do more with them and meet those characters again. On the other hand the emotional resolution of the Ursulina has such power and it, it it closes out the story of those two characters in in such a, you know, an, an intense emotional way that it almost feels sacrilegious to kind of dive back into their stories. I, I don't want to feel like I'm I'm sort of adding on just for the sake of adding on because those those two novels fit together so so beautifully. So I'm I, I struggle with with that um when it comes to you know to frost and and to cab uh, I, I those are both great characters uh you know they're they're fun to write um it truly has been a case of uh just finding kind of the right, the right time for, for where, uh, where I would go next with those characters. I haven't forgotten them. I, I, uh, I, I love both of them as characters and, and I certainly want to do more with them. It's just kind of a question of, uh, it, it's taken me a while to get back to them. Uh, and, uh, and, but one of these days, my, my hope certainly is that I can, uh, I, I can bring them both back.
0: Well, you know, mention of frost leads right into this question from one of our audience. How important is the Minnesota weather in your books? <laughs>
1: I, I love the, uh, I, one of the reviewers, uh, uh, of one of my books said that, uh, no, no one writes weather like Brian Freeman. I thought, okay, that I, I, that I like. that name? for a
0: reputation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Minnesota tends to give you a kind of a, a, a pretty soft pitch when it comes to writing, uh, weather, because uh, the, the, there is a lot of, a lot of intense extreme weather in, uh, in, in Minnesota. Um, but you know, that's the thing is, is. I I want that you know again that you are there feel with my places, and I I like to to capture the authenticity of settings, whether it's it's the winters of Minnesota or you know the Florida summers or Las Vegas or wherever else I I may take my characters, and um, and and so I I do a lot of I do a lot of research on the places because I really want them to feel uh, to, to feel very real to the readers, and certainly. In Minnesota, in particular, weather is part of that. I mean, I always say, you're not going to find as much weather, say, in my Frost Eastern novel set in San Francisco, because weather is less a part of the day-to-day life of Californians than it is for for people in Minnesota. I mean, in Minnesota, in California, the, the weather is almost never the headline in, in on on the news, whereas in Minnesota, it's routinely the top story on the news. and And I think the Stride novels end up reflecting that because weather simply plays a more dominant role in the lives of people in Minnesota than it does in in certain other places.
0: Well, in one place, you had a description of this wave coming off of Lake Superior. And I was right there. I just you I could feel the cold but again I live there so I know what that's like I don't know how that would be to someone yeah,
1: and I you know I, I have Duluthians who kind of complain you know how come you're only you know talking about the uh, the the winters in in Duluth you know why don't why don't you do a Duluth summer book and I said well you know but that only gives me about two weeks to work with so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well there's a challenge were there any other questions you know what? He answered them all. Oh, you've answered all the questions from the <laughs> audience. Anyway. Okay.
1: Yeah, very good.
0: And what would you like to say to your readers?
1: Well, I think you know the the, the most important thing is uh, to, uh, to 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 reach out to me and uh, um, you know sign up for my email list on my website or or shoot me an email. Uh, uh, my there's an email link on the website as well. the the, the My website is B com. That's all one word, bfreemanbooks.com. Uh so you can find me there, connect with me there. And that's also true uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, so you can reach out to me anywhere. I love I love hearing from readers. I always you know connect back with them personally when they when they reach out to me because that, that's an important part of the process for me. I mean I'm uh, I'm I'm doing this to to share these stories with readers and I, I love to hear the kinds of roles that uh, they these books play in their lives. I've had so many, you know, really, really touching emails from, from readers over the years that, that just, you know, that just means a lot to me. Um, and, uh, and I, I, hope readers will, will come along for the ride. You know, I, I, people will sometimes ask me, what is my brand as a, as a thriller writer? And, and I struggle with that because of the fact that I write such different kinds of books. I mean, you know, if you pick up, I remember you this this really out there unusual Michael Crichton esque kind of story and then you you put that down and, and you pick up a stride novel you know intense emotional police procedural you put that down and now suddenly you're in, in Jason Bourne's world it's like this is the same guy writing these stories and I and I so I tell people well you know I, I if I could pick a brand for myself as a as a writer I say well I I, I want to be I want to be Tom Hanks you know because you know. Uh, if you look at Tom Hanks's movies, you you never know what he's going to do next, and and it, one one day it could be you know Apollo 13, and the next it it could be Philadelphia, and the next it it uh, uh, you know it 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 could be something completely different. Um, but the one thing you know is that if 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 Tom Hanks is involved with it, uh, you're you're gonna have you're gonna have a great story, you're gonna have great entertainment, and 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 that's what I'm all about. Is is you may not know what I'm going to do next, um, but if you're a reader, I hope you'll come along for the ride, because my, my goal is uh, to always deliver a, a, a great story that resonates in your mind, and, and characters that, that you want to spend time with.
0: Well, I think your readers should know, or even people who aren't readers yet, that you've won several awards. Um, you've been a finalist in the Edgar Awards, you were the winner of a best hardcover novel, and I didn't write down which, so, which books those were.
1: But- Spilled Blood and, won the Thriller Award for, for Best Hardcover Novel. Immoral was a finalist for the Edgar for Best First Novel. The Deep Deep Snow was a finalist for the Edgar for Best Paperback Original. And, and, after, and after striking out with the Minnesota Book Awards four times, I was feeling like the, the Susan Lucci of the Minnesota Book Awards. I, I then won twice in three years. So, okay. I was gonna say, I've
0: got them down as a winner. Where, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and then you have the Best First Novel. And there may and be others. The, the Cavity
1: Award, yes, yes, yeah. Yes.
0: And and which one is one of those the Anthony Awards?
1: Uh, I was a finalist for the Anthony for best first novel, and a finalist for the um, uh, the Dagger Award for best first novel as well over in the UK. So,
0: so I think I think it's well worth the try if nobody's tried it. And and I do have to tell you one other thing. Um, have you heard of the magazine Deadly Pleasures? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I read the review they had of your book, which was very good. In fact, they they said that um, you'd be in for a real treat. The only thing I saw was they had the last name of the um, protagonist wrong. <laughs> and I kept going back and forth from the book to that. And I thought, this doesn't compute. But it was a very... What do,
1: what do, I'm just curious. What did they call him? Baxter. Okay. No, Webster. Oh, uh, Gavin Webster. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So
0: anyway, it certainly didn't interrupt the the review because it was very, very flattering. And as I said, if you haven't read this, so, and and they emphasized how you keep the reader involved. Um, And that's, like I said, with um, the zero night, just when I thought I had it, I didn't. (laughs) And it was really, it was really a good place to be in some of the hard times we have now.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's been one thing. I mean, we've certainly discovered that. The power that, that that books have to lift us out of our current circumstances and, and take us somewhere completely different. And that's, yeah. that's essential.
0: I have to assume you enjoy writing. I mean, I, put it, this it, kind of stuff. It, it,
1: it's funny. <laughs> I, I don't know which writer it was that said it, but said, I, I don't necessarily enjoy writing, but I enjoy having written. Uh, and uh, I, I think that's fair um, because uh, writing writing is enormously difficult. I mean, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. It, it, I'm, I'm wired to do it, but it's very emotional. It's it's very intense. I mean, every morning you get up and you're staring at that blank screen. And so it is, uh, it, it's it's a very difficult job. Uh, I, the part of it that I particularly love is the editing side, because then once all the words are on, are on the page, then you have the chance to just kind of tweak and, and tinker and get everything just right. So, but it's, yeah, it, it's I, I I love I love what I'm able to create, but it, it's certainly a hard work.
0: Well, I hope you keep creating it. I hope that that you have your continued success,
1: okay.
0: and I look forward to your next Jonathan stride. I'm going to have to try a couple of those others. So the ones that are a little
1: yeah, the deep, the deep deep snow and the Ursulina. Don't miss those two. So. Okay,
0: if you say so. Hey, if it's your recommendation, I'll take it.
1: All right. <laughs> okay.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: I don't think so. This has been so much fun. I really uh, I, I, I love always having a chance to, to do events with Poison Pen. Next time, though, I, I, I know we need to do this in person. So
0: what a great idea.
1: Let's plan on that. Very good.
0: OK, thanks.
1: Yep. Thank you.
0: Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them and your help would be appreciated please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.